0: arrived in Merrill, Wisconsin for the Walter Mondale Geraldine Ferraro rally on Labor Day in 1984, I climbed to the stand with the rest of the press corps and was truly pleased to be about three feet from both Lynn Schur and Britt Hume, both of them working for ABC News. I smiled to myself when Schur asked Hume how to pronounce La Follette, a common name used in Wisconsin politics for many, many decades although we called it La Follette. I later laughed out loud the same evening when she mispronounced it on national news. Now, everyone has on-air slip-ups. I had more than my share while working in radio, and it was still comforting to me to see it happen to a professional reporter, knowing that my professional reporting career was only a number of hours old at that point in 1984. This is Doty Conversations from the Madison Isthmus. Here is Gregory Humphrey. Well, hello there and welcome. It is July 2023, as I sit here at the broadcast studio, and the 2024 presidential election cycle is well underway. A lot of bombast, a lot of chaos, but today we're going back in time to the mid-1980s and some nostalgic views of politics. While no one else has any reason to really recall much of what I did on WDOR under the air name Trevor James, there are events that stand out for me personally because they encapsulate two of my passions, both radio and politics. I even had to look for this kind of work at the time. For many years, in the brim of a fedora, the type that newspaper men wore in the old black and white movies which we are so fond of, I stashed my press passes from the days when I covered those types of stories. On Labor Day, 1984, I attended my first major political rally, and it would be the first such rally I would cover for WDOR News. I was young, eager, and so excited that I could barely contain myself. Days before the event, I had completed a background check to gain press credentials which allowed me onto the risers with the national journalists and reporters. Knowing I was going to stand alongside some of the journalists for whom I had deep respect was as electrifying as the rally itself. The process was meaningful to me since it was my first major political rally with a presidential nominee. The weather was grey, cloudy and cool. I wore a white shirt and necktie. I traveled from Sturgeon Bay to Merrill in my light blue Chevette. I'm reminded that the owner's manual mentioned something about zero to 60 and packing a lunch, and I kind of think that to be true. I really love that car, have fond memories of it. And I still recall the feeling that life could not be better as I was driving to Merrill. I was doing what I had always really wanted to do, which was to get closer to politics and report about it. I knew then that not everyone could say they get to live what they dream. And so as I drove along, I tried to take in every moment every detail. At underpasses along my route, there were police officers and dark-tinted SUVs where security details were established. The local radio stations in the area were broadcasting special reports about the rally and how to avoid traffic jams. An awesome electricity filled the air since it is not every day such a small place is the epicenter of an event that draws such a political crowd. Many political analysts were questioning whether the traditional start of the presidential fall campaign was best done in a place like Merrill. A small town is not the type of place which would typically generate the massive crowd that a campaign wants to show on the evening news. Walter Mondale and Geraldine Ferraro had started that Labor Day in New York and encountered rainy weather. The crowd consisted of fewer people than they hoped. Sprinkles fell in Merrill, too, a fact which was not lost on those who thought it an omen for the election outcome. The music ramped up, and Mondale and Ferraro took to the simple outdoor platform. Each, in turn, gave punchy, dramatic stump speeches. A light drizzle did fall. And Mondale cast aside his jacket, rolled up his sleeves, and told the audience that the rain did not matter, as that it is what made Democrats grow. Be it rain, hail, sleet, or snow, it makes no difference, as we will win in November, he told the roaring crowd. I knew at once that my political infection was for real. Never before had I felt so alive, or so in the moment, I thought back about the hard times of high school and all that it had forced upon me and that those days were truly over and defeated. I recall looking through the drizzle at the candidates. The television press captured video, print media, still photographs, and still more, like me, made written notes on their note tablets. I saw it all up close and knew that I had been lifted from my personal valley. I was now living my life and it was grand. Geraldine Ferraro was absolutely loved by that crowd in Merrill as she spoke from the heart about her goals. There was a strong sense that the party faithful understood the deeper social significance to her being nominated to a national ticket. The applause, enthusiastic, the warmth for her, genuine, it was truly history in the making. Later, I recorded some interviews with potential voters. I was most interested in sharing with my listeners back in Sturgeon Bay how these Merrill rally-goers viewed the first female nominee. Overwhelmingly, each interviewee stated that Ferrara was breaking new ground, and they were glad Labor Day in Merrill was where she spent some of her time. All right. Okay. Okay, you talked me into it. I want to be president of the United States. Thank you. Today is election day. Make your voice heard by voting today and then turn to WDOR-FM for the election returns. ABC News and Dave Allen will bring you the returns from across America and across Door County. The 84 vote on the Big 94. Hear your vote count. As exciting as the Mondale-Ferraro rally was, it was nothing to compare with covering a visit by President Ronald Reagan to Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I was to report on the rally for WDOR on May 30, 1985 at the Winnebago County Courthouse. A couple of days in advance of the event, the radio station owner came up to me and asked if I wanted to try for a press pass and travel to Oshkosh and report on the president's visit. Did I want to go? Well, heck yes. All of us was hoping that it could happen, me especially. And I never thought anything like this could ever work out in my life. But the morning of the event, I feverishly tried on several shirt and tie combos before deciding on just the right look. Again, in that Shabbat that had seen better days, I traveled from Sturgeon Bay down to Oshkosh and parked at the county fairgrounds where a shuttle bus took a bunch of us reporters to the center of town where Reagan would speak. Us reporters. Now, I felt a kinship with them, and that truly was a part of the reason I had to smile that day. I quickly realized that we were taking the same route as the presidential motorcade. A reporter for the Milwaukee Journal told me to look out the windows of the bus as we passed all the homes. They were all curtained. All the doors were shut. The Secret Service had shut down the streets and instructed the people not to be outside or near the windows for security reasons. At the intersections, dump trucks and huge empty buses blocked the way. The journal reporter saw I was a newbie. That is always on my face, it seemed, during those days. The never-ending grin was probably the telltale sign. And he filled me in on the secrets of a presidential visit. The site of the event, the county courthouse and surrounding area, filled with tens of thousands of people. Upon the press risers, I was lost in the power of the presidential event. Large speakers blared music from the stage, with all the Republican politicians, both state and local, doing their bit at the podium. Military helicopters flew overhead, and sharpshooters were seen on every rooftop in the area. The motorcade was but a few blocks away, traveling at a high rate of speed. And I could already know that the black limousines, pulling into the square alongside the courthouse, From the press risers, we could see it all. It was a terrific view, and I knew when I saw those black limousines, the magic was about to happen. I was looking slightly to my right, and the sun was behind me. The rally had been staged perfectly for the coverage to be aired nationally that evening on the major newscast and headlined the following morning in the newspapers. to the chief started an eruption from the crowd. It was as if God himself had just landed. And I don't mean that in any partisan way. It just was an unbelievable event. It was something like I had never experienced before. In seconds, Reagan strides with confidence to the podium. His famous wave was offered. Applause washed over the courthouse in continuous torrents of welcome. I can still see the bounce in Reagan's step, his flawless black hair, his wave and genuine delight to be out in the crowd of citizens he loved so much. The jocular moments during his speech brought smiles and laughs from the crowd. Well, I thank you all. It's good to be in oshkosh Bagash. And a lot of a lot of your school children were out at the airport when we came in, and I told them that when I was their age and their size, I was wearing them. And at that time, though, they had they had it on as a kind of a trademark in stripes where it said Oshkosh Bagash on the overalls. I noted, too, from the press assembled all around me that they, too, had been caught up in the moment. Ronald Reagan certainly did have an infectious quality, both on the audience and the reporters. I had been impressed with his communication style from the years of watching news coverage, but it paled to what his live appearance felt like or how it resonated that afternoon as he spoke to all of us about tax reform. I was very caught up in the dynamics that were playing out around me. The national media impressed me as well. The long photojournalist lenses on some of the cameras surely cost more than my beat-up Shabbat, that was for sure. No other event in my radio career ever matched those minutes for me. I tried desperately to slow my mind down and soak it all in before it was over. I dreaded slightly the arrival of the bus that was to take us back to the parking area. I realized on that return journey back to my Shibet that I still had a silly grin on my face. And it's hard not to recall that grin as I talk with you today. I knew instantly what my story would be for the evening news hour on radio. The ABC network would cover the tax simplification plan about which Reagan spoke during the speech. The morning papers would detail the plan even further. No one would tell our radio audience the story firsthand about what it felt like and looked like to witness such an event the way that I could. I had felt something new and understood that not many would ever experience it firsthand in the way I had. I could bring to my listeners, through words, the sights of shuttered windows and sharpshooters on buildings and goosebumps on my arms when he waved to the crowd. I could tell the story of how it felt to be with the national press. I could tell my audience what it was like to see the president in the flesh, knowing that my audience was also like me and having limited access to such moments. I could identify with what any one of my listeners would want to know about the larger story that would not make the headlines on the morning paper. Upon my return to the radio station, I threw myself into writing my new script on an old black typewriter that was located in the sales department. I recorded it knowing full well that if I tried to do it live, I would talk too fast or just burst out with happiness. It was the very best story I ever did in those four years at the station because it was so very real. It had energy and verb, a perspective different from everything else that my listeners would see or hear about the event. It was my heart-talking. I have wondered why more reporters at the local level do not allow themselves to report such a story in the manner I did. I guess on one hand it might not have been hard reporting, and others might have considered my report to be a softball for a controversial president or his policy idea. The fact that I was a liberal democrat makes that point pure silliness. I have always considered the media in its totality to cover politicians and issues in a fair manner. Inasmuch, I do not think every reporter has to cover an event in the same way or stress the same points. As an adult, I seek out the alternative viewpoint and the perspective that is fresh and different from the pack. Months before I traveled to Oshkosh, I had written to the White House for the chance to have an on-air interview with President Ronald Reagan. It would surely surprise my political friends that I made it clear I had no desire to ask any partisan questions. Given that Reagan was a former broadcaster, I wanted to talk about the way radio stations had once operated in the moments that stood out for the former announcer. Now, I was not surprised that I never heard back from the White House, but I am very sure the interview would have been most friendly. I suspect Ronald Reagan may have even smiled about the chance to again tell the stories, again, of his days as a radio announcer. It seems like a very long time since Ronald Reagan's morning in America and Walter Mondale's clarion call for a change in policy— Our politics has gotten rougher and meaner, and that is not to take away any of the history from the bombastic politics we experienced and history pages show us to be true from the election of 1800 or the time of Andrew Jackson. But there is a meanness to our politics that seems to have become more embedded and enmeshed in our social conversations. So I'm trusting that this podcast let you go back to a time of memories and nostalgia when, yes, politics was still a brutal combat sport and policy differences were stark. But yet there was a different tone overall in the country, both from our politicians and from the electorate. I'm hoping you saw that through the eyes of Trevor James. The guy who had a lot of dreams and ambitions and high ideals, I believe I did, in those days when I covered both Republicans and Democrats for WDOR News and had a great time behind the microphone. Thank you for joining me today for this really special podcast. I really enjoyed doing it, and I hope you enjoyed hearing it. You can go to the Dotyland Facebook page for more information and pictures on this podcast. Thank you for being a part of today's broadcast.